0: My name is Paul Owen, and this is the True Sales Podcast. Welcome back to the show, me in the studio alone, uh, again, for a solo session. I promise we have some more guests coming soon. Um, So what do we have in store for you in this session? Well, I want to talk to you today around this misunderstanding that it's what we know that makes us money. Um, It's not true. It's what we do that makes us money. I've referred to this in one or two different uh, ways before, but I want to really drill down in some detail, use the backdrop of one of the books I recommended in last week's episode as a, a, a salutary lesson around this point, and then give you a couple of tips to help you turn what you know into what you do. Before we get stuck into that, my regular request to please, if uh, you are happy to support what we do, and I guess the fact you come back to listen, it means that you do have some support, then the best way you can repay us is to tell others about what we do. Recommend us, write a review, uh, rate us on your favorite platform, please. That'll be really, really helpful. We want to help 1 million people sell. Uh, more successfully through honesty, consistency, and confidence, and your help in achieving that would be enormously appreciated. And for your own uh, reminders, make sure you subscribe. Uh, That does help us as well. The more subscribers we have, the more profile we have, the easier it is for people to find us. Uh, But it does also mean that Thursday mornings, uh, UK time, you'll get a little note reminding you that a new episode is live. So as ever, your support is hugely appreciated. So, on to today's topic the difference between what you know versus what you do and the challenge that makes. So, the frame of reference I often use for this when I talk to clients about this concept is the brilliant book by Atta Gawande, which I've mentioned uh, before. And it was, I'm fairly sure, one of the five books, non sales books in the last episode that I recommended that will help you sell better. And Atta Gawande, amongst several other books, he wrote a book called The Checklist Manifesto. And the central premise of the checklist manifesto was this, the World Health Organization came together in 2004, bringing experts from around the world, surgeons from around the world, to address a significant problem. In that year, across the millions and millions of operations, over 4,000 different types of operations, across hundreds of thousands of different locations, millions of operations, um, quite scary numbers um, were quoted, 7 million people were um, subject to injuries, disabilities, caused through mistakes made in surgery, and one million people died uh, on the operating table or soon afterwards because of mistakes made in surgery. Quite frightening uh, numbers, and they brought together a group of experts in order to try and address this problem. What did they do? They came up with a checklist. They came up with a list of things that everybody should do in every bit of surgery around the world predominantly that checklist covered the time before the operation and after the operation things like things like washing your hands uh, sounds ridiculous right um, making sure that the or, all the tools uh, were were there making sure there was enough anesthetic there making sure there was enough blood on site of the right type for the um the, the person uh, on whom they were operating Um, Making sure they knew what the operation was. There are some shocking stories about leg amputations, uh, which were the wrong leg uh, and such things. So making sure if you've had um, an operation in recent years, you probably had a black marker pen uh, actually delineating the uh, area on which they're going to operate, which leg, which arm, whatever it might be. Um, This idea of just making sure the simple things were done. At the end of operations, making sure that all the uh, all the tools, all the operating tools could be seen uh, that had actually not been left inside bodies, uh, and making sure that the stitching happened properly, making sure that the, the, the antiseptic stuff was used properly, and just, just little things. The point about the checklist manifesto in the world of surgery is that none of those things on the list were new pieces of information. Nobody in medical circles was saying, oh, what a good idea that is. This was information. These were practices. They all knew they should do for every operation. They just didn't do them. One or two or three will be missed out. And it was felt if you're going to cut those 7 million disabilities on 1 million deaths, you should start by trying to eliminate the silly mistakes, the simple mistakes that are easy to eradicate. So it turned the knowledge that they knew into the actions that they took. They ran that project uh, as a trial for two years. And at the end of the two years, they analyzed the results of over just uh, just over 4,000 operations. What did they find? They found that um, disabilities caused by surgery were down by 36% and deaths were down by 47%. Huge numbers across a relatively small sample from changing the knowledge into the action. So how does that apply to sales? Well, for so many of us in sales, I've often taught uh, regular listeners would know about the execution of sales is the challenging part. The theory of sales is is relatively easy, just like the theory of running a marathon is relatively easy. The execution, doing it is much, much harder. And I think we can learn from the checklist manifesto on this about changing what we know into the uh, actions that we do so there's a couple of tips directly relating um to sales whether that's telesales or face-to-face the same thing applies the first thing to do is almost creating the checklist so writing down the information that you are going it's very highly likely that you're going to need that information for the calls that you make or the meetings that you do again regular listeners will know that the way we train is based around a structure a four-point structure Uh, not script-based selling. Uh, I don't believe that works for all sorts of reasons. But I think structured selling, structured communication is much more effective and largely sales conversations do follow the same kind of structure in the same order. But looking at the way you're going to open conversations, so earning the right uh, to speak to people. Um, You will probably have somewhere between four and eight questions or questioning areas that you want to make sure you cover in a call or in a meeting. Jot them down. Any of you listening to this who've been in sales for a few years will know that you've left meetings, and end of phone calls, and then you think, ah, I forgot to do a certain thing. You forgot to ask a certain question. Um, have them written down in front of you. Third, when we get into the, the third step of selling, the, the key elements we want to talk about, the company, the uh, key benefits of working with with us, um, maybe the two or three case studies that are potential options to use as stories what we're doing um, have them written down have a checklist in front of you and the same for the way you're going to close the benefits of the next step to put those across to people before you sell so the first step is to jot them down now you're thinking this is all obvious paul and um, well it is but that's why i use the checklist manifesto as a great example of turning knowledge into action is all these things are simple all these things are obvious all these things are overlooked day in day out in sales So get those written down. It doesn't mean you follow them exactly every time in quite the regimental fashion of of surgeons following the checklist manifesto, but you're much more likely to remember the things that you need to put into action if you make a plan before the sales conversation. The second one will sound even more obvious than the first one, and yet I find that the majority of salespeople do not do it. It's not much good having a checklist for surgery if you can't see the checklist at the time of doing the surgery. It's not much, there's not much point in having a, a reminder of the notes, a reminder of the key points that you want to cover in a sales conversation if you can't see the notes in front of you. And so make sure the notes are visible. for telesales teams I've worked with across the world and I cannot believe how many times I asked them about their notes And they say, oh, yes, I've got them. And they're scrambling around under stained coffee um, uh, mats and other notes and books and and other uh, paraphernalia around their desk. And they can't see their notes. All their notes are spread across four, five, six different sections of their notebook. If you're going to have reminders that are going to help you in sales calls and sales conversations, you have to be able to see them and i think you can also have them for sales meetings there's nothing wrong with going in with a book with notes in front of you to refer to there's a, sometimes a bravado i think around sales where you know it's uh, oh, it's, it's uh, all up here mate you know can't can't jot this stuff down it's all in my brain um, congratulations i don't think that's the point the point is to have productive sales conversations the evidence i've seen in 10 plus years now of training people and 20 plus years of sales Is you're more likely to be consistent, if you're well-prepared, and part of that is taking notes, and if you can actually see those notes in front of you. So in a meeting, not structured, uh, scripted lines, that's not the way to do it, but reminders of the key points you want to cover across key parts of the conversation is really, really helpful. So please remember, sales success, just like medical success is not down only to what we know. It's more likely down to what we do. Having some preparation to put together the key areas we want to cover and then being able to see those notes is the key part in developing consistency in sales. Everybody can be good sometimes, but very few people can be consistently good without preparing, without having systems, without having processes to help them do so. Now, I want to end with a rather um, depressing uh, fact that taking us back to the checklist manifesto, taking us back to that World Health Organization uh, research nearly 20 years ago now, that happened is we still to this day have uh, millions of operations happening that are not using the checklist People are suffering disabilities, they're suffering death on the operating table. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes because the basics haven't been followed, the systems haven't been put in place to take knowledge that we have into action that we do. Let's make sure that you don't make the same mistake in the world of sales. Prepare, have notes in front of you, and you're much more likely to be consistently successful. I hope you've enjoyed today's solo podcast. Do come back again for more. My name is Paul Owen, and you've been listening to the True Sales Podcast.